Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. Let's pod. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly. Their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And Paul, Uh-oh. I had kind of a week last week. <laughs> what happened last week? Well, I, I started off the week. Um, you know, uh, fans of the show know that uh, I am a longtime cigarman. And uh, I, I ordered a box of cigars from uh, my local uh, cigar shop. And, you know, it's uh, a $4 delivery fee. I'm like, ah, I'm going to save myself a trip. I'm going to have them send that box of cigars to me. You know, 4 bucks, not a big deal. And I should say right now, I, while I will not state the amount I paid for this box of cigars, I will say that were I to do so, it might be a marriage-ending uh, uh, amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't say it while you're recording a podcast. That's right. That's right. Let me just say that uh, it, it is uh, uh, a couple of levels above the amount I would typically spend for a box of cigars. But it is a limited edition cigar. They come out with a special blend once a year. I bought this box of cigars on the down low for the last four years so you know i ordered it and you got to be quick because they, they sell out like my comic my i keep wanting to say my comic book shop but my uh cigar <laughs> shop uh that's a that's a hell that that is service <laughs> that is above and beyond service at that comic book shop <laughs> so my cigar shop only got like 200 boxes so you know i, I had to i had to act fast so uh, I, the, the delivery comes and I go out to the mailbox and I grab the mail, the, the mail and the parcel in my hand. I'm like, this does not feel like a, a box of 20 cigars. This feels wrong. <laughs> and I got in the house and I'm just like the fuck. And so I, I open up the box and sure enough, it is not what I purchased. It is not the, you know, box of 20 cigars, limited edition, you know, special cigars for 2023. No, no, it was a sampler pack of five cigars. So, oh. you know, I, I it was a, a big scroogey. And, of course, I didn't go to the mailbox until after the store had already closed for the day. So I'm very antsy. And I reach out to the store. I'm like, hey, you know... Uh, you did not send me my uh, very expensive box of cigars. What you did send me was about a $30 packet of, of, of sampler cigars. And they're like, oh, um, I, uh, whew, I think we're out. <laughs> oh. And Paul, <laughs> <laughs> there was almost a crisis. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I very, very almost had a meltdown. But he's like, oh, wait, wait, I've got it. I've got it. Come in. I'll take care of you. And so, sure enough, they did. But I resolved that I would no longer order from my local uh, cigar shop and have it delivered. I would go there and pick them up because uh, that was it was almost a terrible, terrible circumstance. So you almost went on your ten state killing spree. Yeah, and, and the question I ask is, why in the hell isn't it ever the other way around? Why, why isn't it that I ordered a, a sampler pack of cigars, right, and gotten the very expensive box of 20 cigars, right? Why, why, doesn't, why doesn't the reverse ever happen? Why is it, why is it the, the penis is always pointed at me? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Why am I always on the business end of that? So I ordered, I had two orders going at the same time. 
and uh, I had an order from a national distributor, a national cigar cigar store, and uh, ordered a box of cigars that I've had many times. It's kind of a staple here, you know. I I, I like this brand of cigars, uh, the Charter Oak. It's a you know rather you know you get twenty cigars for a hundred and thirty dollars or so, uh, and you know so I ordered that, and the box came shortly after my. Uh, my uh, transaction with the local cigar shop, and I open up this this uh, parcel, and it feels appropriate. It feels like a box of cigars. I open up this parcel, and it is not the box of cigars I ordered, Paul. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is not the Charter Oak from Drew, Drew Estate that I had ordered. It is actually Acre Twenty Farms Robusto, five point two five by fifty four, and uh, Paul. This box of cigars is more than $100 more expensive than the box of cigars I paid for. So, Paul, the penis was pointed the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) So, have you called on this one, Aaron? Well, you know, what's funny is that I I wasn't familiar with the brand. (laughs) And so I am on the phone waiting for customer service to pick up. And I'm I'm like, let me go see what what, what there is to know about this box of cigars. And I look at it like, oh, oh. This is a much better cigar. Let me just hang up the phone right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of a week. And then, Paul, in non-cigar related news, (laughs) I go to the tailor shop where I go and have pants altered and, you know, things done. And and I go and I'm having a a couple of shirts adjusted. And uh, the lady says uh, yeah go go into room one i'm like okay so i open up the door to room one and in room one is a semi-nude woman Uh and she's like wait wait occupied occupied (laughs) (laughs) and i quickly shut the door and uh am deeply embarrassed and and the the lady at the counter goes i'm at room two (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i i wait for the lady to come out and she's not looking at me she's just deeply embarrassed and i said do we have to get married now? (laughs) (laughs) I apologized. And I'm just like, you know, way to make it creepy. creepy. I'm really sorry, but I got to tell you, Paul, you know, I, 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 this is the place I go to, you know, to, to, you know, get clothes altered and whatnot. And, Typically, I always try to go like super early in the morning because other times it's like full of like teenagers for prom dresses and homecoming dresses and whatever. And I am so thankful that it was a grown up lady that was in there and not some teenager. I, no. that, that would have just been awful for both that would of have us. Been a much less funny story. That is exactly right. That is exactly <laughs> right. So, yeah. So anyway, I told my wife that, you know, that I cheated on her and (laughs) (laughs) now I'm single. (laughs) Now I'm recording this from, uh, I don't know, the the weekly rate motel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm I'm, I'm recording from hotel Wi-Fi. Anyway, it's kind of a lot that happened last week, Paul. It it was. And Aaron, I have bad news. Oh, no. Breaking news. Breaking news. Really unrelated to Star Trek, but related to streaming services in general. Oh. So Disney Plus will begin cracking down on password sharing starting in 2024. You know, that doesn't affect me at all because I don't like anybody enough to share my passwords with them, Paul. (laughs) Well, fair. Okay, but here's where it does affect you, Aaron. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Don't worry. The penis is pointed at you. Oh, no, the the penises have turned. (laughs) How the penises have turned. Um, In addition to the password sharing crackdown, Disney has revealed its plans for a price increase. No. Starting October 12th, Disney Plus Premium will rise from $10.99 to $13 per month, while Hulu will rise from $14.99 to $17.99 per month. That Hulu is a jump. Yeah, that is eighteen dollars a month. That is that's hefty. Yeah, I'm gonna have to reevaluate. Fortunately, I will have finished uh, Justified City Primeval by then. I might be able to cut Hulu loose. I might be able to cut Disney. Well, and that, you know, at that point, you know, considering I'm not watching Secret Invasion, and if Ahsoka is done by then. It should be. Ahsoka yeah. should probably be wrapped up by then. And unless they have a an immediate Star Wars series coming 
I may reconsider my, yeah. my Disney Plus because I will tell you, out of all the subscription services, it's the one I use the least. Yeah, no, I only, I mean, I, I would be watching it right now if I could stand watching Secret Invasion. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, literally, I, I just I can't bring myself to finish that show. Um, but Ahsoka, I'm, I'm definitely here for. Um, and I know I'm going to want to watch uh, uh, Andor when that comes back, but I'm certain that's a 2024 thing. Oh yeah, I think we're done. I mean, I, I think Ahsoka is probably it for 2023. I would yeah. imagine, you yeah. know, especially with writer strikes and actor strikes. Yeah, I mean, I think I could probably cut a Hulu loose as well as uh, Disney and not have to go back to him for a while. I don't think I can cut Hulu loose because Jen likes to watch repeats of Will and Grace. Uh, so I, I'm, mm. I'm paying twenty dollars a month for that shit. I might as well just buy <laughs> just, it. Just go <laughs> buy the Blu-rays. <laughs> just go buy the Blu-rays. Uh. You know, but, I, I I am watching the hell out of Apple right now. I mean, I just can't get over you, you got into the Apple thing, and all of a sudden, Ted Lasso. Yeah. and uh, devoured and, Ted Lasso. The wife devoured. does not like shrinking, so I don't think we're going to finish that. Ah, that's a shame. I, I dig it. I, yeah. I dug shrinking. It's not quite Ted Lasso, and I think people expect Ted Lasso. And it's not quite that feel-good type comedy. Yeah. But uh, that's a shame. But there's, there's plenty of other good stuff. The foundation is fantastic. And, I have no um, more time for more shows, Aaron. Don't uh, well, anything. I, you know, the good news, I, I, I was disappointed that Foundation is only two seasons and it's in the middle of its second season because I really thought there was more out there for it. But it's a beautiful show. Really like it. Really hmm. like it. But, you know, in terms of streaming, Paul. Oh, no. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's <laughs> it's some. It's about to get dark. It's I about think, to get dirty. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to take the we're going to take the dirty version of streaming. Um I think it's important to note that uh, so far in 2023, the only Paramount Plus shows that have made it into the Nielsen streaming top 10 are Star Trek shows, Picard and Strange New Worlds, and the Taylor Sheridan 1923. That's it. So, you know, we hear a lot about how the streamers are, you know, probably going to be cutting back on original content. I think a Paramount Plus is looking to retain viewership. I don't see them cutting uh, Strange New Worlds, certainly. Uh, I think they were smart to cancel Discovery in its fifth season. Yeah. Because, uh, um I think they were smart to cut Prodigy. Yeah. But, Paul, I've got to ask this question. Who's here for Star Trek Starfleet Academy in the 30th century? Because I really don't care. Well, you know, I mean, it it depends on how it looks. I think is what it boils down to. It depends on how it looks, who's the cast in it. Um, you know, Tawny Newsom is on the writing crew. That is true. That is true for the show. So I think yeah. you know, we, there's there's a potential for a lot of humor there. So I'm 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 cautious. Honestly, if it wasn't for Tawny Newsom, I wouldn't have I would have zero optimism yeah. <laughs> about that show. Um, but because but as soon as they got her on the you know in the writers room, I'm like, okay, well maybe maybe even though it's you know it, it's set in a timeline of Star Trek that has not yielded any good <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. Um, you know, perhaps perhaps Aaron. Um, but you know what it does beg the question is they have really shit the bed on not announcing Star Trek legacy agreed sooner. Um, you know, before all this stuff, those, the, the actors should have already been under contract, um, within months of, of that show, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Picard ending. No, I completely agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, Paramount is now saying, you know, after two and a half years of streaming, they've got all of this data telling them what, audiences are watching right Mm -hmm. you know they know that if you're watching four hours or more a month uh you are more likely to retain your subscription right um and what that says to me well you're watching if you're a star trek fan and there's new star trek on you're watching four hours a month right Mm -hmm. at least and I, i i think that it's it's a huge mistake not to have legacy in the works yeah, um, I I just I, I think that is a huge mistake. It doesn't even technically understanding what's going on right now. It doesn't even have to have been in the works. They needed to have announced it. Correct. And signed some contracts. Yeah. And then figured out the story later in the same way they did 
with Strange New Worlds, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. I mean, with Strange New Worlds, they had signed a cast. They had zero stories. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I mean. That's what I mean by in the works. They they yeah. just should have announced it, locked Terry Metalis in, because the big danger here is that Terry Metalis goes and finds another job. Terry right? Metalis, and quite frankly, some of those lead actors, you know, because uh-huh. the crew is, you know, in for, you know, we want to see Star Trek Legacy because we want to see Picard. We want to see Jack Crusher. Mm-hmm. We want to see Ryan. You know, Jerry Ryan. We want to see uh, pretty much everyone except that one character that nobody liked. Um, <laughs> one character that nobody liked. Are, are we talking about Data? <laughs> no, no, we're talking about uh, the, the 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 lady. Um, wow. No, the one that that was with Worf in most of season three. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, uh, exactly, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she was in all three seasons of yes. the show. And, we don't remember yes. her name. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm tr- trying to remember her name, but it, it's escaping me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, they they really needed to work on 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 getting those actors because. It was a popular show. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've got to imagine that some of those folks have probably already committed to everything because something else because they can't. Uh, well, yeah, they, and they, and I don't think during the strike they can sign on to anything. No, but you I know would. that there is there is there is stuff that's queued up and waiting for the minute for the strike to end. And, you know, if you're not ready to jump, you're not going to get certain people. Right. Yeah. And, and that would be a shame. That would be a well, shame that it doesn't happen. I mean, but keep in mind, Picard was finished filming like a year oh, yeah. ago at this well, point. Well, they didn't know and, what they had. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's the thing is they didn't realize how, how huge Picard was going to be. And that's what kind of blows my mind is that when you realized how big it was, you jump on that stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, I, I, that's what Get, that's what I would have done. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not bet. a streaming executive, but you know, I'm going to bet that um, you know I think other companies would have done that. I don't know why Paramount didn't jump on it. I'm not a streaming executive, but I'll tell you, I'm losing less money than they are right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. just putting it out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, we I mean, should be streaming executives, Paul. Perhaps. Um, and Raffi <laughs> is the character's name. What was <laughs> the name? A, Sorry, Raffi. Raffi. Yeah, Raffi is the. I kept wanting name. to say, I kept wanting to say Boxy, but I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> Boxy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I um, before we we move off of this subject, I do want to say that Aaron, the first item, the first item on my Christmas list has been has has been created. Uh oh, what's that? It is so. The other day, I was looking because Star Trek Picard season three is coming out on Blu-ray. It's due out on Blu-ray, I believe, in October. Um, and you know, it's got a it's got gorgeous box art. Um, and of all the seasons, that one I am likely to revisit. Oh, and yeah. quite frankly, given all the shenanigans that that have occurred on on Paramount Plus and in stream in the streaming world, there's no saying that that's going to be forever. Oh, I completely agree. Completely. Um, so agree. I was like, you know, perhaps I should pick up this final season on Blu-ray so that at least I have it, you know, the physical media. Um, and I don't know if it comes with the digital copy, but, you know, at least I would have it. Um, well, and it I, comes out September 5th. I do feel like when Paramount Plus says that it's your home for Star Trek, I feel like it needs to also add for now. For now. <laughs> um, Nothing's well, permanent, Paul. Nothing is forever. No. Well, and so I, you know, but it, I'm, I was torn, Aaron, because I was like, okay, yes, I want Star Trek: The Final Season. I am unlikely to to rewatch the second season ever, ever of Star Trek: Picard. I mean, you, you would watch it just for Will Wheaton. I, I would not. You would. I, yeah, you, <laughs> you just want to see Will Wheaton show up as the Traveler. Hey, nerds. Hey, nerds. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I did. You know, but it, I, but I was like, I struggled because. The completionist in me tells me that I would need to have all, you know, I can't just own season three. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Star Trek Picard, the complete series is, uh, is what's on my, my Christmas list. And for what it's worth, Star Trek Picard season three is $43 on Blu-ray. Uh-huh. The complete series is $80 <laughs> and has three seasons. Uh-huh. So it felt like a, so it's a better deal, Aaron. It's a uh-huh. better deal uh-huh. for whoever purchased it for, <laughs> purchased uh-huh. it for me for Christmas. <laughs> And perhaps I, it'll be a Black Friday special. I feel like you're going a really long way of getting me to buy this for you, Paul. I'll, I'll send I, you a link. Okay, all right. You, <laughs> you know, just send me send me your whole Christmas list. This is where you know you can go buy me things, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And with links, <laughs> <laughs> crack me up. Well, you know, 
I have been consuming some Star Trek media that's uh, not on the Paramount Plus. Uh, I have been... uh, But Paramount Plus is the home for Star Trek, Eric. It is, Paul, but... it is not the home for Star Trek audiobooks. Uh, I, uh, okay. I I have been listening to the Andrew J. Robinson narrated and written uh, Star Trek novel uh, called A Stitch in Time, I believe. Let me just confirm that. I should have written that down. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but it is called... Yeah, A Stitch in Time. And okay. it, is, it is actually written by Andrew J. Robinson, who played Garrick. And it is in the uh, mode of, like, an autobiography. Oh, uh, yes. You've mentioned this book before. Yeah. Okay. And it's very much in the tradition of the autobiographies that are written for uh, Kirk and Captain Janeway. Uh, it's super well written. I can't get over how well written it is. In fact, you know, I am frequently frustrated by Star Trek novels because they'll write them like an episode. There'll be an A story and a B story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just doesn't work in that format. And this really feels like a real novel um, in terms of, um, yeah, there's kind of an A story, B story. But the, the A story is uh, Garrick's origins, right? You know, where he started as a kid, how he was educated, how he wound up in the Obsidian Order, you know, all of that kind of fun stuff. And then the B story is uh, him living on Cardassia after the Dominion War and, you know, uh, living with the consequences of the war and the destruction that happened after the Dominion War. So it's not really an A and B story like you typically get where it'd be different parts of the crew in the B story than are involved in the A story. It's the same guy. It's just two different part points in his life. Mm. And, and I got to tell you, I don't know if uh, this was ghostwritten with someone, but it is so well written and beautifully performed by Andrew J. Robinson. Uh, I can't get enough of it. And I've got about 30 minutes left in the book and I, I really don't want it to end. It is so good. Hmm. I really, okay. That sounds really, like a, a very high recommendation. It is. It is. And I just, I love how much thought is put into it because it reminds me so much. And I know this isn't going to mean anything to you, Paul. Uh, Most things you say. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me very much like uh, of uh, John M. Ford's final reflection novel back in the 80s uh, that very much sort of set the table for what Klingon culture was like hmm. uh, and was really sort of the the. Uh, uh, foundation for a lot of what we know about Klingons today and what we wound up seeing in Next Generation, etc. This is very much the same kind of book for Cardassians. Um, It is super revelatory about their culture and really dives deep into things that we got hints of in the shows, but really explores here. I, I, I just, I love all the elements of the culture that we get, and it explains why Garrick was as tormented as he was in terms of, you know, his exile and what that means to a Cardassian. I, I, I love this book. It's fantastic. See, Aaron, you insult me. I knew exactly the book you were referring to. Oh, John M. Ford, The Final Reflection? Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not buying. I'm not buying it for a minute, for a Paul. Second. Not even for a moment. <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> I there are some just classic Star Trek novels that remain in print. You can certainly get them electronically. Simon and Schuster's got a great you know ebook uh, section, and they put those things on sale all the time. But it drives me crazy that. They don't have unabridged audiobooks of those older pocketbook issued Star Trek novels. These these were books that were bestsellers, and that you know they only have the abridged versions available in audiobook. And I really think that there is a market uh, for people who, like myself, don't like abridged audiobooks or abridged books of any fashion. Uh, you know, I wish that they would that they would reissue those. And I fear that with Paramount selling off Simon and Schuster, who owns Pocket Books, who publishes Star Trek novels, that we may never get that opportunity. I think you. Well, you never know. You never know. It depends on who acquires them and their passion for Star Trek. Yeah. 
I, and the, well, their passion for making money off of Star Trek, I should say. Because I would kill. There are books that I would love to. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to go back and reread them, but I want to experience them again. Yeah. And Final Reflection is one of those. Uh, the Entropy Effect by Vonda McIntyre is another. Uh, My Enemy, My Ally by uh, I want to say Diane Duane. I mean, these are these are books that were just you know number one they were huge national bestsellers. And they really set the tone for Star Trek. Um, you know, Vonda McIntyre's, you know, book takes place like immediately following uh, the motion picture and is just a return to adventure with those characters in the novel form. Uh, My Enemy, My Ally is very much a telling of uh, uh, the Romulan culture. And again, paints that picture of what we see in later iterations of star trek through the romulan culture i just i think these are important books in this in the star trek space that really need to be preserved and you know uh, shared in other media formats so that more people can enjoy them well perhaps we can put our money together and buy the rights well let's do it let's do it let's do it i'm on it i'll use my podcast paychecks all right. Well, and then, you know, maybe what we can do, I think here's the smart thing, Paul. Oh, no. First off, we become streaming executives. Okay. And then we take the money that we are going to, we're going to double the money, right, as streaming mm-hmm. executives because we understand the content, right? We do. And, mm-hmm. you know, sub- subscriptions will, will blossom. Just under give me Yellowstone and give me Star Trek. That's, yeah. that's it. Under our leadership. That's what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. then we buy back the Star Trek publishing rights. That's what we do. Done. Yeah. Done and done. Done and done. If you're listening to this podcast, forget you heard it. Because then you're going to steal our, our brilliant yeah. idea. This is it. Don't tell anyone. Done and done. Well, I, you know, I saw that today that Paramount is uh, selling off Simon & Schuster uh, because they don't feel like it matches their brand anymore. Um, you know, because they're, they're a streaming company now. They're a motion picture company. They're a TV company. They're not a stupid book company. What kind of idiot's in the book business, Paul? Nobody reads books. Yeah, books are stupid. <laughs> but comic books. But comic books, that's a whole different story. That's where the future's at. That's where the, that's where the real money makers are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, th- those sweet, sweet comic book checks. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't don't ask any of those creators on Twitter what they think about that statement. Or threads. Don't talk to them over there either. I'm saying that's not Twitter. That's X, Paul. That's X. Oh, fair X. Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, I gotta. I gotta tell I you, I, I'm having a hard time going over to X. I'm having a hard time going over the threads. I feel like I, you know, I want to, uh-huh. but I feel like no one's over over there with me. I feel like a lot of people are over on threads, but they're just reposting their stuff from Twitter or X. <laughs> X. Yeah. Whereas I'm over there on Instagram on uh, threads, and I'm just reposting the stuff I put on Instagram. That's largely what I do. I think that I don't think people have original thoughts on threads. I, think I don't think just... so either. I, I, I other than uh, my conversations with uh, Usagi Podjimbo, uh, I, there's there's not much original content from us over there. No, I'm just but saying. We'll work on it. We yeah. will work on it, people. We're gonna we're gonna hire Freddie, you know, from from accounting to uh, you know work on that. Mm, okay, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> Freddie from accounting. Uh huh. Freddie from accounting. Okay, but Paul. Yes, sir. Did you read yourself uh, some Star Trek Defiant number six? I did the second part of Day of Blood. Part two of five. <laughs> part two of five. Yeah. I uh, First off, you know, we, we talked about the various, you know, narrative interstitials that are just a full page of text and how mm-hmm. largely we've skipped those because they weren't really driving much in the story, if anything at all. Uh there was one that I read that I got to say I, I thought was fairly interesting this time. Okay. And was it, it the last one? Was it was it the a... last one from from Count, uh, Colonel Worf. I thought it was a little out of place. I thought uh, so, too. I, thought... I was like, what the hell is this doing here in this story? Uh-huh. But I thought it was interesting. You know, it's the, you know, Colonel Worf uh, is the um, attorney who represented Kirk and McCoy in Star Trek VI. And it's kind of his thoughts after the conclusion of the movie. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And to find out that Worf was named after, because I don't believe he is named in the film. No, he is not, to my knowledge. Yeah. He might be in the credits, but not yeah. out loud. So, but it was, it was sort of amusing that he was, uh, you know, the namesake for uh, Worf the Younger. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, 
I, I also read that because I, you know, it mentioned Kirk in the first sentence. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. And then, I, and then it made sense. But then, I, you know, well, I shouldn't say it made sense because it doesn't make sense in the context of this book. Right. But, <laughs> was, but um, but it was it was a fun little fun little. Yeah, page. I think it's relevant because Klingons were involved. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because it involved Klingons and war. Yeah, racist is. Uh... <laughs> so, Aaron, what do you think of Day of Blood? I really liked this issue, Paul. This issue was good. The cover was not good. Yeah, the, I I think they've made a mistake on the cover art. It looks too children's bookish. Yeah, you know, it, there, there's a primitiveness to it that reminds me of like you know a child's storybook. Yeah, like a little big book or whatever those yeah, things are called. Yeah, but uh, I really enjoyed the story. Um, I liked the conversation between Cisco and Worf and how you know Worf just barks at him, and I was so pleased that he brought something up. You know, from Deep Space Nine that's been bugging me. And that's that, you know, when he abandoned his mission to extract a uh, a, a Cardassian spy for them um, to because Jadzia had gotten hurt and would die, would likely die without you know being returned to the ship. He decides to take care of Jadzia, right? Instead of letting mm-hmm. her die and, you know, proceed with the mission to bring back the spy. So Cisco tells him at, you know, at the end of that episode, he says, you know, you're never going to hold a command uh, because of this decision. And Worf has held on to that. <laughs> and, yes, and was all yes, yeah and uh you know bitched at uh cisco on the way up the mountain uh i was so glad that they talked about that because that's something that's been bugging me uh, that i felt like needed to be addressed given the fact that you know Worf has risen to very to you know command levels within starfleet and you know yeah he had to steal the ship that he's in now <laughs> there was a comment on that he's like i captain a ship now he's like you stole that ship yeah but I, but I dug that. I dug that. I also dug that when Spock arrives uh, over there on the Theseus, um, uh, Scotty. Scott, Scotty threatens to hug him, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of cracked me up. But I thought I thought this was a really good book. But I I think where the book really hit its stride and where it won me was the conversation between Data and Lore. Yeah, that was well done. Uh, and, and you know, they're they they are you know working this effort together, and Lore is really sort of bearing his heart to Data. And of course, I'm I'm hearing it you know with taking it, taking everything that Lore is saying with a grain of salt because yeah. he's mercurial. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and you know, so I, I'm not sure what what to think about that. But you know, at the end, you know, Lore confides in Data is like you know. Uh, I'm just, I, I feel very seen by you is essentially what he says. And Data says, yeah, and, you know, when we're done with this mission, I'm going to deactivate you and take you apart again. And yeah. I'm like, that probably wasn't the thing to say to Lore. <laughs> and you can see it on Lore's face, like, huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I was just like, huh. I feel like that's going to go awry. We have three I, issues left of Day of Blood. I yeah, feel like that's going to go awry. I, I feel like something something bad's going to happen. I see bad things. But yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought this was a really well-written, well-drawn uh, story. I, I dug this one a lot. Now, Aaron, do you feel like they stuck the landing on the dog of war in Star Trek Deep Space Nine issue six? I hate that you've asked me that. Because I or don't. five issue five yeah I don't feel like they stuck the landing I agree um, in fact I feel like the ending was was I feel like what they did in this book could have been four pages at the end of the last book yeah and I probably would have felt better about it because um, really there's not a bunch that important that happens you know it's not like there was there were sweeping developments um, I just I, I felt like this was. This was an extended denouement uh, over the the last book, and I'm just I feel like you could have done it a lot shorter and made this a four book series instead of a five. Yeah, they also seem to play a little care and free <laughs> carefree with with Cisco's decision to destroy the Borg headset. Uh huh. I'm like that seems like a pretty big deal, and I think I mean Starfleet knows the existence of it, and uh-huh. you're basically asking. Worf, you know, who you see, you know, you see them problem, you know, the, the problems they have in the other book, but he's basically saying, hey, Worf, just go ahead and destroy this and just don't tell anyone. Don't tell Starfleet. Basically, you know, perform this treasonous act with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a time of war. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the resolution, though, that Morn adopted Laddie. Right? I did like that, but I was also frustrated by the prior page where everyone's like, yeah, I. 
I'm too they busy to have a dog. Their, yeah, <laughs> they just risked their lives uh-huh. to save this dog, and the, every single one of them's like, "I can't have a dog." Look yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the risks they went to. No one wants to adopt this dog. Uh-huh. We've just spent four issues of you guys spending full times with this dog, and now all of a sudden, no one can have him. Now, that being said, it was still resolved with a nice touch, but it, it was just kind of an. I, there were some definite. It, you know, to your point, it it probably could have been resolved quicker, mm-hmm. and at the same time, it felt like they rushed some of the yeah. the beats just to you know end the end well, the story. Here. If you were going to have this ending, you could have done it in just a couple of pages. We didn't yeah. need a whole book. I do feel like the 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 wonder of the story, the adventure, and the fun of the story warranted a fifth issue. They just didn't end it correctly. Um, I feel like there needed to be more complication on the brokership, uh, and I feel like there should have been a a different resolution. Like you know, there should. I would have liked to have seen the different characters fight over who gets Laddie, and Laddie chooses who yeah. he's going to live with, and maybe he chooses Morn. Right. Yeah. Versus everyone's like, hey, screw this dog. Can I say that the I had a problem with the way that page is illustrated with the, you know, everyone kind of hugging Laddie and saying, I can't keep him, you know, yeah. uh, notice how everyone's teeth are that it's just a block of white in their mouth. Yeah. Well, they're not happy. Aaron. That just is weird. Yeah. <laughs> They're so happy. Their teeth have melted into one smile. I just really, and we don't do that anywhere else in the book. I just, I thought it made it look very charming, you know, and sweet. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it it was sort of, you know, evocative of sort of a fifties, you know, aesthetic, you know, design aesthetic. And I just, I really hated it. I really hated the way that looked. Well, it's a shame, because I have truly enjoyed this series, and the ending wasn't enough to take away from my overall enjoyment of the series. I I did enjoy the overall series. It just didn't quite didn't quite stick that landing. Yeah. I also note uh, there is a page when they are still on the ship, they're still on the broker ship, they are uh, leaning over Captain Sisko in the access way. And, you know, Laddie is a corgi. And they are, you know, squatty, short-bodied animals. Yeah. And there is a panel where he is practically a, a golden retriever. <laughs> he is just super long. And I'm like, is he part dachshund? <laughs> just... No, he's full-bred. Well, until, again, some 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 horrible treasonous act of, of gene uh-huh. splicing. Uh-huh, yeah. He's 100% full, full-blooded. Pembro- Welsh bred. Pembroke Corgi. Yeah. 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 Like, and Until. Uh, I, I mean, the ridiculous thing is that like anybody would care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the funny thing about this is that, you know, the hunter wanted the, the purebred Welsh Pembroke Corgi. Um, and so they, uh, you know, Dr. Bashir got in there and I don't want to say how he got the, the additional DNA in the dog. I, that's, we don't want to ask those questions. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there's some extra DNA in the dog. Just there's some extra <laughs> DNA in the dog. The dog does save the day, though. The dog brings Cisco out of his his Borg tech induced coma. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah, I was disappointed uh, in in uh, the end of the book. I think you're right. I think it's going to read just fine altogether. I just I, I feel like when you're reading that, you're going to go, huh? This ending seems a little long. Yeah, it seems a little <laughs> long. So Paul. Yes, sir. I gotta know, did you sing along to Subspace Rhapsody? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Well, yeah. first of all, I didn't know the songs, Aaron. So, I mean... Okay. Perhaps okay. perhaps on repeat viewings, uh-huh. uh, I'll sing along. Uh-huh. But it's unlikely that I'll have repeat viewings. <laughs> so so you didn't like it? I gotta say, I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I appreciate... Here's the thing. I'm not... Because I know there are people who are automatically going to dislike this episode based on the fact that it's a musical, blah blah blah, stupid idea. And I, it had an uphill battle t- for me to climb as well, um, because I, I'm not a fan of musical episodes. I'm just not. You know, I blame Joss Whedon. I'm huh. still mad at him for it. That, are you? That, that Joss Whedon did a musical episode, and now everyone needs to do a musical episode. Uh-huh. I don't like it. Okay. Um, in in this, you know, I feel like they found a good way to to justify a musical episode's existence i thought there was a lot of fun in the episode 
I feel like for me, there were enough issues that it didn't quite sell me that, you know, this was the right idea for, for, for this director, this cast, um, th- you know, that kind of thing. Cause really, and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to start with a little bit of the negative. Um, I felt like the direction was a little weak, um, uh, on some of the, the choreographed numbers. And I felt like outside of the Christina Chong, uh, you know, the Ohora and the Laan songs, um, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the, the actress who plays Ohora. Um, oh, Celia, uh, Celia Rose Gooding. Thank you. Outside of the, outside of her and Christina Chong, I felt like the songs were a little bit lackluster. <clears throat> um, and I feel like, especially in, in certain instances, like, unfortunately, number one with, you know, um, I feel like we were watching actors try to sing mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the singing being natural to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's so I, I had some of those struggles with with this episode. I see. You loved it. No, I hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you why. Um, number one, the songs I liked the best were the songs that we heard the least of. Like I was getting a kick out of Captain Pike's song on the bridge where he was singing to his captain girlfriend. Yeah. And I was getting a kick out of that, and it actually had kind of a different tune, and clearly Anson Mount is not a singer, but it was working for me. And then, you know, Laon shuts that down, right, because it's a security breach. Um, And so I was disappointed that that was so short. Uh, The best moment in the show is when the Klingons show up on screen, and the Klingons (laughs) are a boy band. I was like, like, fuck yes, (laughs) you know? Again, did you catch who, who played the, the that Klingon captain? I did not. It's Hammer. Is it really? I did not know that. That's yes. great. That's great. I love that. But you know, <laughs> that was that was the best moment of the show, Paul, and it's on screen for less than thirty seconds. Yeah, they invested some time in 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 in. I mean, here's the thing: they knew where their talent was, mm-hmm. but I, I think where I struggled, and we talked a little bit about it recently with um, with the gimmicky episodes and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but this. I, I just want to say this. Mabanga killed some dude last week. Uh-huh. He murdered. He straight up murdered uh-huh. someone, a Klingon ambassador. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Klingons disowned him anyway, but, you know, he, he murdered someone pretty high up yeah. last week. In this week, everyone's copacetic, except well, and, for and, some reason we want to continue down, like the, these relationship issues uh-huh. with Spock and, and Nurse Chapel and, and Christopher Pike and, and his girlfriend. We, we continue those threads from episode to episode, but not Mabenga being a cold-hearted killer. Right, and we're all singing our truths. Why yeah. the hell wasn't he singing his? Right, because he doesn't have emotion about it. Perhaps I don't know, which makes it even worse. But I did think, <laughs> as I, a doctor, I, that I I will say I thought that the reason for the musical was nicely done. You know, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to create a reason, you know, for for this to happen. And I thought it was nicely done. They had they had uh, transmitted music into the spatial anomaly and it you know created a pocket of an alternate universe in which musicals are part of you know the natural order of things whatever what i didn't like is you know the 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 pieces that i liked the most i got to hear the least and the pieces i liked least we heard the most i thought Christina Chong and Celia Rose Gooding songs that we spend so much time in were boring. And I attribute a lot of that to the fact that both of them just spend their time walking around singing. There's little choreography throughout the entire episode. And what little choreography there is, is really lackluster. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, there is in the, uh, previews of the episode there's this great scene where there it looks like there's some uh west side story level running and dancing in the corridors right and no, i was there's like, not, but it's very brief you know the entire, the entire yeah, scene you saw in the commercial yeah exactly and there is none of that energy anywhere else in the episode the big bar scene with jess bush as nurse chapel singing was blo- I, I will tell you that my high school musical uh bye bye birdie was better choreographed 
than any scene in this entire episode. And I'm not saying that to disparage the Lamar High School uh, dance choreographer. No, no, she's good. But it seems to me that a professional Star Trek show with, you know, lots of dollars to spend should hire a real choreographer and a director who knows what the fuck he's doing with a musical. And that never happened here. And, and that was my struggle with it. Because, yeah. again, I, I'm not a musical fan, but I, I went in with an open mind. Yeah. And at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, okay, the story device works. I'm okay with it. Yeah. The first scene where they sing... I okay. thought the, I thought the Spock uncomfortable, scene worked. Right? Yeah, I thought the Spock scene worked. You yeah, know, everyone's kind of uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah. okay, I get it, but but I, you know, what you come soon to realize is they weren't really comfortable yeah. doing this episode. Yeah. Um. It, well, I mean, not I don't know any behind the scenes, but you know, it certainly seemed like some of those actors just you know struggled to act and sing simultaneously, which is fine. They're not singers by yeah. trade, um, and the director you know, was not necessarily skilled in that type of choreography. Um, so it just, it, it felt, all of it felt, if you were going to go for it, go for it. And what? it felt like either they choked or they weren't confident enough in their skill sets to make this work. Well, and for a show that, a franchise really, that prides itself on diversity, there was no diversity in the type of music that was being shared other than the Klingons. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was. And, and I wonder if is that because when Uhura says, well, let's try, you know, uh, the American songbook. Right. And so she does anything goes, um, you know, it, she transmits that into the you know spatial disruption. Um, I, I wonder if that's the reason, you know, that we're going to do old standards. But why then did we get essentially a K-pop song out of the Klingons? Um, I, so it didn't make sense to me why we didn't get some rap, why we didn't get some jazz, why there weren't yeah. different musical styles. And perhaps that could be part of each character. And maybe you can find something surprising about that character by the, t by the way they sing. Right. Um, I feel like as much as I like Christina Chong, who plays Laon, and the fact that she is a real life, you know, pop singer, I feel like they leaned too far into her comfort zone. And the the song she sings felt like it was, you know, coming up on her next hit album. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really objected to all of that. And there was a perfect place, Paul, where Uhura is uh, signaling uh and she is she the, she she even says you know let me introduce myself and i was like oh man are we going to do the rolling stones you know uh you know please allow me to introduce myself and i was like i was there for it and then she you know goes on to stupid song and yeah. you know and not the song that i thought they were queuing up and i was like oh man that would have been a great that would have been a great opportunity to to do that you know or to do a riff on that but I, I, I was very disappointed in this episode. Yeah, I was. I, I was too. And again, it's. I was hoping to have my mind changed yeah. about it. I didn't go in with expecting to hate it. I did honestly because I, I, I enjoyed this crew. I knew there was some great music ta musical talent on the crew. Um, well, but it just the point I would make is that there was not a lot of great musical talent in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And when they did Once More with Feeling, you know, poor Sarah Michelle Geller can't sing to save her life, but she did the work. And, yeah. you know, so did the other actors in the show who also couldn't sing. Um, you know, even Allison Hannigan, right? I mean, you know, yeah. she, she couldn't carry a tune if you gave her handles. But, you know, they all did the work and it worked. And I think that's what they should. They should have leaned into more of that mode than the, you know, big songy thing. Like, I really wanted to like the scene between uh, number one and uh, Lieutenant Kirk. But, you know, number one, neither one of them can dance. No. Um, and I mean, I was like, yikes. I mean, I, I don't, I truly do not understand why there wasn't a, a better choreographer on staff. Um, but how about Kirk being a deadbeat dad? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. cause he's like, I, I do feel some attraction here, but there's an issue. I so, got this lady I'm seeing and she's kind of pregnant. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, they've name dropped Carol Marcus, 
in the uh-huh. show. And so that's interesting. Uh, but, you know, we see that Nurse Chapel in this episode gets accepted into the program. Is she going to, she gets accepted into the Vulcan program, right? Yeah. Um, is she going to leave the show? I was wondering the same. And uh, that would be a, a bad decision because I think people like her. I mean, yeah. me. Me, I like her. I mean, we know that the character leaves the Enterprise at some point because she comes back in the original series to find her her long lost husband, right? Yeah. Uh, who is you know Doctor Cordry, who we've heard name drop twice now in the show. So I, I'm curious what that's going to mean. And we yeah. know the show's been picked up for a third season, so I'm curious as to what that's all about. Yeah. So, yeah. Overall, I thought this one was a bust, Paul. I did not care for it, and that's that's a shame because we didn't care, or I didn't care for the episode the prior week under the cloak of war. Um, so I'm really hoping that the what appears to be a great big Gorn episode called Hegemony, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. which is the season finale uh, coming out. Home. Yeah, coming out later this week. I'm, I'm hoping it comes home, and it doesn't look good, Paul. I saw some previews. I think. I think that uh, Captain Girlfriend is uh, is going to die. I think mm. she's. I think she's going to. I think she is either going to be a Gorn incubator with the little babies eating their way out of her, or uh, you know just going to get killed by a Gorn. Well, we'll I see, see bad we'll things, see. Paul. I see bad things. <laughs> well, let's. I mean, we want to know what you thought. What did you? What you thought? Yeah. What did you think of Subspace Rhapsody? You need to hit us up. We have an email address. Aaron's going to give it to you. <laughs> It's Star Trek at IOMGeek.com. And if we use your comment on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, excuse me, X, <laughs> or Threads. Or Threads. Or Threads. Yeah. We, 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 do get, we do respond. We yes, just don't absolutely. Um, so, yes, definitely hit us up. Let us know what you thought of Subspace Rhapsody. Let us know what you're looking forward to in the season finale, if you're looking forward to the season finale. And um, we will revisit this conversation next week when in the season finale airs. That's very exciting. I'm, I'm sad that we're at the end of the season. I am, it seems, but... It seems like we just started, Paul. It does. Well, about ten weeks ago. Yeah. No, nine, because we had that double That's week. Right. That's However, right. before we go, I do want to pimp that we have a podcast out there. If you're looking for something not Star Trek related, but still kind of... You want to hear the dulcet tones, tones of Aaron and Polly with some additional folks, Wayne and Aaron... Aaron, Wayne and Andrew, uh, you're going to hear Aaron twice. You're going to hear, you know, um, we, we have a Star Wars podcast um, coming up that we will be, um, before Disney Plus raises its price on That's us, right. uh, watching Ahsoka and doing weekly Ahsoka discussion like we're doing here with Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, the first episode will drop on this feed if you're listening to this through your favorite podcast provider um but we will also drop additional episodes on the star wars with aaron and polly um feed so if you're interested in hearing us talk about ahsoka we already have an episode where we talked about uh, where we revisited timothy timothy zahn's thrawn trilogy um which delves into you know it's a a great book trilogy um that features a character who will be one of the key um, players in the Ahsoka series, and we talked about it, and it's our first episode, so give it a listen. Very good. All right. Well, hey, Paul, let's uh, let's get back together and do this again after we've watched Hegemony. We will. All right. Let's pod. Bye, guys. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays, no troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.